Hi, welcome to Swine Doc Pod with Carthage. My name is Dr. Clayton Johnson. I'm the host and moderator here on the podcast. And joining me today is Dr. Bo Peterson and Mr. Ted Ufkis with the Carthage System. Uh, Bo and Ted recently worked together to tag team a, an article on attracting and retaining talent through culture. Um, Bo and, and Ted serve as, as leaders of our respective businesses at Carthage. And amongst their many duties are making sure that we have a team of good people capable of executing their missions every day. Um, I don't want to steal all your guys' thunder, so I want to give you a chance to introduce yourself. Um, Bo, if you would kick us off, talk to us a little bit about your background and your current position at Carthage Fed. Sure. Well, thanks, Clayton. Um, so my name is Bo Peterson. I'm the uh, Chief Executive Officer of Carthage Veterinary Service. Uh, I've been with Carthage for a little over two years now. Um, have uh, I've had about uh, 15 years uh, working in the swine industry. Um, uh, previous to Carthage, I uh, worked for a large integrator in, in a variety of different roles. And before that, I uh, was in graduate school uh, where I got my uh, PhD in animal science at the University of Illinois. So my role at uh, Carthage Vet Service is uh, really to oversee all of our, uh, all of the different functions within our business that provide services to uh, our clients, uh, as well as uh, the Carthage system uh, you know, that Ted oversees. So it's good to be here today and uh, looking forward to the discussion. You are in charge of all the vets at Carthage and responsible for any mistakes they might make. Is that correct, Bo? Um, most of the mistakes they make, Clayton. Most of the mistakes. Very good. Well, that's a long and distinguished list, so you got a lot to keep track of. <laughs> Ted, would you mind introducing yourself? Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks, thanks Dr. Johnson. Um, I've been here since 2013, so a little over eight years. Um, Currently in the role of Chief Operating Officer at Professional Swine Management, or as we commonly like to brand ourselves to the outside world, the Carthage System. The Carthage System would be our, our production arm. So we oversee and manage uh, 31, actually 35 sow farms now across the United States, uh, primarily Midwest. And uh, my, my job and function really is to oversee the day-to-day -day operations of the business. So we've got about 60 uh, staff here at Carthage that work in the office or through the office, and then we oversee about well, when we're fully staffed, somewhere between 700 and 800 employees on the farm uh, that our team would help facilitate. Uh, of. So a uh, little bit of a different background than, than Bo getting here to Carthage. Um, I did grow up in Hancock County, which is where Carthage is located at here in Illinois. Um, uh, after school, spent some time in the automotive world. I worked for Ford Motor Company, um, spent some time there. And then uh, took a job as a consultant in Chicago for a company called AT Kearney, uh, where I worked with a lot of Fortune 50 companies uh, doing some business, business consulting for them. Uh, this has really been an opportunity for me over the last eight years to get back to my farming roots uh, here in Hancock County and uh, more importantly, grow my family. Ted, you've had a lot of different business exposure throughout your career, um, certainly including the big business, but in a lot of other different types of businesses as well. Um, would you say that the pig business is unique in its need to acquire talent and, you know, use culture as kind of a reason to keep people captivated within an organization? Or are our needs and challenges in respect to that sort of stuff pretty similar to the other types of businesses you've been involved in? So there's, there's certainly similarities, right? You know, I think when you look at uh, even the automotive world, you know, we were working with big assembly plants, a lot of different people. 
um, it was a union type of a background, right? So a little bit different than what we see here in the, in, in you know, animal agriculture, uh, like pig world. Um, every industry has its own sets of challenges. And I think culture becomes one that every company spends time thinking about. Um, I think there's some uniqueness in, in the pig world, you know, where our culture is. I know when I looked at coming to Carthage eight years ago, I wanted to find an organization and an industry that was very fast moving and, you know, uh, dynamic and never the same every day. And boy, did I find it. You know, I think we, we find in this industry that, you know, pigs have to be fed seven days a week. Uh, and you have to have people that are engaged seven days a week. And so that, that really created an atmosphere where every day was a little bit different. I think that, that really holds true throughout the organization, you know, not just at the chief COO level. Bo, you've worked for a couple of different um, businesses within the pig industry. Um, do, do the businesses that you've been involved in have different cultures to fit different business models? Or do you think that you can kind of say within the pig industry, there's one culture we should all strive to have because there's one culture that's truly better than the others? And, no, I think, uh, I think every business uh, has its own unique culture, Clayton. And, um, I think there are aspects of culture within the, the pig industry that are extremely important uh, to get interwoven into the individual, you know, identities that the business has. But, uh, you know, a lot of it, uh, you know, a lot of what Ted said about uh, the pig industry, I mean, that's seven days a week, 365 days a year, that, that is somewhat unique, um, you know, to what you see in, in other industries. Um, and so, you know, culture becomes, uh, it has to have certain aspects that are different from other businesses, but, but I think within the, the pig business, uh, you know, really being able to, uh, you know, help people um, identify with what it is that we're trying to do, right? We're, we're not just trying to, uh, you know, get uh, cost of production down all the time. We're not just trying to make more pigs. We're not trying to just make money, right? Um, you know, and, and helping them see that, you know, it's a, it's a lifestyle uh, because it has to be a lifestyle and it's seven days a week, 365. And so, um, and, and connecting that lifestyle to a, a greater purpose of, you know, helping to feed the world, producing high quality protein and, and you know, food for people to eat is something that uh, I think is woven into a lot of the, um, you know, the pig production companies, uh, respective cultures and and uh, you know I think that's a, it's an important uh, kind of overarching thing um, but again once you, you get into the individual businesses um, you know culture has to kind of it has to start with that to an extent but then you have to start to, to build your own unique identity that's going to you know, ultimately differentiate you from you know your competitors in the world. Yeah, and certainly you hope that that unique identity is embraced by your employees, the ones you have today that you can retain, the ones you want to bring in tomorrow that you can attract to your business. Bo, I know you've had uh, experience hiring a variety of different roles um, from, you know, folks who work at the farm to contract load crews to, you know, senior production folks who would have reported to you in, in your capacity as a general manager. Um would you say that there are harder roles to recruit for in the pig business or are they all kind of equally different to find good qualified people to fill? Um, they're, uh, I'd say they're all equally, 
pretty equally as difficult to to find the good qualified people and and it's not always necessarily just finding the qualified people it's finding the the qualified people who fit your culture right and um that that can probably be one of the toughest parts so there's a lot of really good people in this industry there's a lot of qualified people but um, you know, they, they have to, uh, they have to fit into the organization to truly be successful. And having been through uh, some acquisitions, um, in the past, you know, enterprise level acquisitions of, of different, uh, production companies, and you really see that firsthand, uh, you can see really, really good pig people, um, you know, that, that have spent a lot of time in a, in a business and a culture. Uh, and when they join another business through that acquisition, um, it's not that they don't know how to raise pigs. Uh, it's that they don't know how to to operate within the culture of the new business. And, and uh, unfortunately, I've seen a lot of fallout from that over over the years as well. Um, but I've also seen, you know, uh, a lot of ways where you can you can really help to accelerate the integration of those people into a culture. Uh, it's not trying to change who they are. It's just helping them understand that, uh, you know, again, there's there's unique ways that, that certain companies do business and unique ways that they go about things. So that um, once they start to see that, feel it, understand it, uh, they can be very successful. So I think that's, uh, again, it's, you know, from the, the technician who's, uh, you know, breeding sows on a daily basis all the way up to, you know, some of the senior production director type people, it's, uh, it's, I think it's equally as hard to find, uh, you know, to find people who, who can have the, the skill sets, but also, you know, fit into the culture of your respective business. I don't, I don't think it's too much different across the roles. Ted, as you said, you've got 700 plus people that report up to you in some fashion in your role today. Uh, you know, the, the great resignation over the last two years with COVID gets talked about a lot. And certainly it's put um, pressure on, on our recruiters and on folks, you know, to try and get folks coming into the business. Um, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to speak for HR here a little bit. But, you know, do you feel like we've made bigger improvements by tweaking some of our cultural messaging? Maybe not the culture itself, but just highlighting it to potential candidates or through tweaking our recruiting process to try and bring folks on board. You know what I'm saying? Is Has it been kind of HR processes that you think we've changed to get the greatest traction to improve our ability to bring people in over the last two years when labor has been a real tight situation? Or do you think it's more on the messaging on the culture side that's, you know, kind of kept the, the kept the business afloat over the last two years? This has been hard to find people. Yeah, I mean, I could probably argue either one, Clayton. I mean, I think both are probably true. Um, you know, we've we've certainly tried to advertise the culture. I mean, that's been that's been one I think that's um, not only attracted people to come here, but more importantly, probably kept and retained the folks that, that have been here. And so that's that's been really kind of paramount for us is um, making sure that culture piece is is understood, uh, recognized, and we're actually fulfilling what we think we are. Right. So we constantly try to go out and measure. All right. So here's what we think it is, but is this really actually what the culture is? Um, I think the same probably holds true as you think about the recruitment style. 
um, you, you know, it, it's been more difficult the last two years, right, to try to find people. In some ways, it's probably helped weed out the ones that maybe aren't a good fit long term, um, you know, for us too. So, you know, I think while it's taken longer to find those people, the ones that have come in over the past couple of years, pretty good. Um, and I think they really fit well into what we're trying to achieve. Um, and it, it's certainly proven their dedication that they're, they're willing to come in, uh, look at our company when there's a tremendous number of other options out there. Um, you know, we've kind of risen to the top and it, you know, we fit their needs and what they're looking for and, and vice versa. Um, so that matchmaking has probably gone a little bit better than it would have gone three or four years ago. One of the messages that I know Bill Hollis shares all the time is farm manager center of the universe, right? Yeah. Always helping to refocus our team on that. If our farm managers are successful, all of us are successful. Everybody connected to our management company and our management business is successful. You know, simply put, if the farms look good, we all look good. And I, I sure think that that message resonates very well. Like you say, it's, it's easy to say it. It's harder to actually do it. But you want to talk a little bit about, you know, kind of what that message means to you, Ted, and maybe any examples you have about people who have truly demonstrated that, right? People who have gone above and beyond to show that, no, 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 no the farm manager is the center of the universe. Not any of us sitting in a chair in an office. The farm manager is the most important person in the organization. And I think the, the key there is that they're the reasons that anybody else in the organization has jobs. Um, and, and that's been, and, and Bill's helped drive this, Dr. Hollis has helped drive this, is that um, they are the center of the universe because they're the ones that make us the money. Um, and not that anybody else is less important. You know, everything needs to work together in sync. It is a universe, but, you know, the, the core of what we're trying to accomplish is that farm staff. And uh, we're going to prioritize them because they are the ones that, that drive the revenue. Um, and, and I think there's some great examples. Uh, three years ago, we didn't have that mentality. And I'd, I'd say that culture is one that we talked a lot about, but we probably didn't practice as well. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of looked ourselves in the mirror and said, yeah, I know we talk about this, but if you go out and talk to the farm staff, do they see the same thing? And, and, and they didn't, right? And so we kind of had some come to Jesus moments of, uh, guys, we're a service-based organization, and we need to be to be available uh, to support them. I think a really good case study has been how our production teams, which would oversee the farms, and our HR teams have continued to collaborate with one another. Um, you know, his, historically, there were oftentimes cases where there'd be finger pointing of, well, you hired me a bad person, and you didn't uh, onboard him good enough, and they left. And and today, it's, it's nothing like that. You know, there's, uh, you know, there's some... Uh, overview meetings where you sit down and, and you know, kind of kind of get real pointed about what the situation is, but it's really all hands on deck in terms of trying to find a solution. Ed, you, you oversee, you know, HR functions as well as operation functions. Is your job easier to do when, when operations and HR are working together, or is your job harder to do when operations and uh, HR are working together or not working together sometimes? Yeah, I mean, it, obviously, when they're working together, things just move much more seamless, right? And so um, that's that's really helped us over the last several years as our, you know, our leaders in HR, led by Twyla Stevens, uh, and then Sean again on the production side, have, have really kind of just uh, clasped together and said, you know, we're all one team. Yeah, no finger pointing, right? If we have a problem, we have a problem, and we got to solve it together. And I think, you know, once you create that expectation, the next step comes with accountability. And a lot of times we think about accountability as, well, the farm has to be accountable for hitting the breed target, you know, and the, uh, you know, specific metrics, we tie that accountability word to. 
But yep. in order to drive that farm first culture, you kind of have to hold people accountable who don't fit into that culture. Right. And that's uh, you, you almost sometimes have to make an example of folks like that that maybe aren't fitting into that culture. And, and, and divorce can be very healthy in that situation. There'll be a culture that's good for that individual employee. It's just not the one we're trying to create here. Is that fair? That's that's completely fair. And, you know, I, I would hate to think we, we made examples of people, but there's certainly been folks that have said, well, this isn't this isn't you know, a good fit for me and have chosen on their own to go to go somewhere else. And, and I think that's healthy for both sides. I really do. Yeah. Bo, I know you're um, passionate about accountability and trying to make sure it's not a dirty word within the organization, right? Um, using accountability is actually a good thing to show that, you know, every team member here is accountable. So you can be comfortable working on this team because we all have different roles. We all got to do our job and we're all treated equally. You want to talk about accountability and some of your thoughts about how that relates to the business place in general? Yeah, sure. That's uh... I, I do feel strongly about, uh, you know, creating their, or really working accountability into your culture um, in, in any business. And, and like you said, accountability kind of uh, sometimes has a little bit of a negative connotation. And, and really, in my mind, it's, uh, you know, said a different way, it's ownership. Um, you know, when someone's accountable, they, they own, um, you know, the processes and the business that they're really, responsible for the own outcomes um, of those processes and and uh, you know accountability is is easy to talk about and it's easy to say we have to hold people accountable or you should be accountable but you know really creating that in your culture is is uh it, you have to be deliberate about it um and it uh, it can actually take some time um one of the one of the first things you have to do to create accountability to create that ownership among you know the people on the team is uh, you have to create transparency um you can't win a game if you don't know what the score is right and um if if people are measured on things that they can't logically connect to you know the business being successful um that that can actually uh, that can create the opposite of accountability right it creates finger pointing excuses et cetera, et cetera. and so you know you you have to be you know simple simple ways of measuring success or failure um connecting what people do uh to to the overall outcomes of the business on a daily basis um and then clearly you know very very clearly setting expectations um, around you know what uh, what does good look like uh, in business? I mean, all those things can can really wrap up into you know a culture of accountability. Uh, when people know what good is look like, they know what is expected of them. They know what the score of the game is, and they can logically you know connect it to uh, the business being successful, and they can see what they do on a daily basis, how it impacts those things. Um, you know, accountability can can come very quickly. Um, and it's, it's absolutely critical for, you know, businesses, you, you can have a successful business without accountability, but it, it won't be a long-term successful business, right? You can have a flash in the pan, um, you know, to, to have a long-term growing successful business, uh, it, it requires accountability really throughout the ranks. Um, and, and frankly, what you see or what I've seen uh, so when you get to that point and you have people, you know, all the way throughout the organization that are accountable and feel like they own what they're doing, uh, it becomes a very fun place to work. 
as well. I mean, it's not all puppy dogs and sunshine, as they say. You know, it's it's like any business. There'll be good days and bad, but um, when people feel like they're all pulling on the same rope in the same direction and, and they own the outcomes of what they do, I, it can be a very enjoyable place to work um, and very rewarding, uh, not just for the business, but for the employees as well. Shifting gears a little bit away from the accountability piece, Bo, talk to us about what community involvement means for, for employees in a pig business. How does that relate into the culture that you try to create in your pig business? Yeah, you know, the, the pig business by definition is, uh, is in rural communities. Um, and rural communities are generally small communities. And, and uh, you know, the, the people who work in the farms, um, you know, our, our clients uh, that, that we work with the Cartridge Veterinary Service, they're, uh, they're all part of those small rural communities. And, and you know, having, uh, having an involvement um, in those communities and giving back to those communities, uh, you know, either through the, the farms that are in the communities or, or our organizations um, is, is very, very important. Um, you know, it's uh, you know, kind of the, the surface level way to think about it is it's, it's a great recruitment tool, right? But that's really not, uh, you know, that's, yeah, if you're involved in the community, people know who you are and they might go look at your website and see if you have a job opening, but that, that's really not, uh, you know, it, it's not the reason you do it. Again, it, it's part of, it's part of the culture, right? Being connected and, and uh, when you're, when you're accountable to a business that is part of a rural community, you should then by default be you know, part of and accountable to the, the communities that, that the business helps to support, but also, you know, that is supported by the community. And so um, that's something that, uh, that we do here at Carthage, you know, really across all both businesses that, um, you know, was a, a bit of a change for me when I got here to two and a half years ago. Um, the amount of community involvement and, and volunteer work that the businesses do, uh, you know, not just in the Carthage community, but in the communities that, uh, you know, the farms are in is, uh, is something that I had not seen before uh, in my career in the pig industry. And, and uh, it just, uh, again, it, it creates a, uh, you know, a deeper connection, um, you know, the, the, the employee is not only connected to the business, they're, they're connected community that uh, that the business happens to be within and I think when you can create those things it's uh, it's less about recruiting that and it's more about the retention aspects it's about creating a place where you're going to live and you're going to work and, and you want to stay there for a long time and so it's it's pretty critical in my opinion to to be pretty heavily involved in the communities and, and again not just for the show of it right to actually go and make a difference and back and, and support those communities so you know they can be the vibrant places that continue to support your business again through the long term yeah, you've been with uh, the cartridge system for the better part of a decade um could you highlight for us a couple of the things that you've seen for community involvement through the years things you're particularly proud of that you know carthage does get involved with with the various communities that we interact with yeah, so you know, a big one for us has been we do a big Easter egg hunt every year. It sounds sounds kind of uh, silly, but it's actually a major event. I mean, we, yeah. we put thousands and thousands of eggs out on our campus, and and we invite the entire community to come onto our property. 
people take huge ownership in that. Um, and, and um, you know, we get involved in parades and doing fundraising for certain, uh, certain aspects, uh, heavily involved with the hospital and a lot of their initiatives. You know, I think some of the things we've found is we've done, you know, employee reviews, engagement surveys, just ad hoc comments is that those are the things to Bo's point that, that retain them, right? It makes them feel like they belong, they're part of something, they can get behind something. Um, the one that I'm probably most proud of is we've got a steering committee that's all employee led. So there's no senior leadership team member on it. Um, and it's uh, completely volunteer. And they will put on just a number of different events throughout the year, you know, different soup lunches, um, you know, um, they'll, they'll bring in, you know, barbecue pork one day and, and you know, do a kind of a free will offering. And um, then they'll, they'll donate it to based on you know a, a vote of that group where they think it best belongs um, and it's been really fun to watch that group kind of grow and prosper and then you know the company will come in and help match some of those funds um, so things like that you know are, are uh, activities employees can rally behind uh, and it makes them feel part of a community Bo mentioned retention when he was talking about, you know, the community involvement and how that can really help with retention. I hear you say that with existing employees and, you know, the steering committee to determine where those funds go. I know one of the other things that, uh, that, that you and other folks at PSM have led over the last couple of years has been the creation of an onboarding program. Uh, a specific program of a specific farm meant for our farm level employees, new employees that are going to go work on farms. Meant to try and help them very quickly, um, you know, build up their skills and be a valuable member of the farm teams they're going to go eventually work with. Could you talk a little bit about that program, Ted, and how you've seen it impact the retention of our farm employees over the last couple of years? Sure. You know, the the goal of that whole program was twofold. One was to give as much of a springboard to new employees as possible. Um, and, and two, to drive some consistency throughout the, the system. And so we identified uh, one specific farm, like you mentioned, and one specific leadership team that could train those employees. And at least for the two weeks, we could uh, allow them to, to kind of see, feel, uh, look at what a farm and how it operates the right way. And so when they go on to their, their main farm, you know, they're not surprised by the, the sights, the smells, the feels of things. They've, they've kind of already seeded. Um, that is two things. One, I think it, it gets them comfortable in a safe environment where there's kind of everybody's the same, right? They're, they're used to having onboarding employees come in and a lot of the cohort that they're with are uh, in the same boat as them. You know, very few people that come into our business have any level of animal experience uh, when they start. Um, secondly, I think the, what it does is it weeds out the ones where it's not a good fit. And that's not, that sounds bad. It's not necessarily a bad thing. It, uh, it, it basically identifies the ones where, boy, I, I thought this was something I wanted to do, but it's just not right, the right fit for me. And that's okay. You know, we'd rather identify that in the first two weeks than we would to get somebody on a farm, you know, that they've been waiting for, put them in a specific position. Maybe they ride it out for two or three months and then they decide they don't like it. Um, that's a much more expensive endeavor. So that's where the onboarding has really driven uh, a lot of success for us. Retention is something that's, uh, that's very measurable, right? Every business can measure their retention. And I don't, don't mean to have you know, cool stats or anything, but in generality, Ted, have you seen retention of those employees that have been through the onboarding program change relative to historical when we hire them? And like most everybody, just kept them straight to the farm where they need the most. 
Yeah. And, and I think uh, there's two ways to measure that. So on hard numbers, absolutely. You know, I don't have a specific number for you, but um, I would bet it's at least 50% better retention. Doesn't necessarily retention and turnover are two completely different things. You know, we still may have turnover of trying to find the right fit for a certain position. Um, what I focus more on is looking at the retention of the ones that are in the system. You've invested a lot of time and effort. Uh, are they staying? And what we've found is that those will, those people that get a good start and are put in the right positions with the right training tend to stay longer and progress through the system and advance longer than, than we did spend the time on that. So from those standpoints, that program has been, been very successful. Very good. Very good. I appreciate you guys joining me today. I appreciate you taking the time to write the article, sharing all your thoughts on culture, accountability, community involvement, farm first. I think it's a wonderful message for our audience. Uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up here today. Uh, I do want to say a big thank you to swineweb.com, who has helped us tremendously with the technical uh, pieces of getting these podcasts recorded and posted for, for your audience. Um, thank all of you who are listening. Uh, if you enjoyed the, the message, please share it. Um, we'd love to give your feedback. Um, so if you have ideas on um, you know future topics you'd like to see covered, uh, please feel free to message myself, Bo, Ted, etc. We'd love to get your feedback on where to take these podcasts going forward. With that, thank you, Ted. Thank you, Bo. Appreciate you being part of this episode. Thanks, Thank you.